Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Eagle Brook Church Leadership Podcast. I'm here with my favorite mm-hmm. and only host <laughs> in the history of hosts. I don't know why you have to mention the Eagle only Brook part. Church Leadership Podcast. <laughs> Don Grafham, you're still, you're make, I, or am I your host? Maybe that's the, I, you know, are yeah. you my host? Well, that's I, usually what I tell people. <laughs> John's my favorite co-host. Yes. No, no, no. It's good to be here with you today. Good. And I'm looking forward to our topic and, and getting after it. Yeah, and ultimately, we really do want to help leaders. We, yeah. want, we want leaders to get better because when leaders get better, the church gets better. But first, Don, before we talk about this topic in kind of the, the spirit of that, the, the, the fact that we want to help leaders, we really want <laughs> leaders to grow. How are you doing? Maybe give us a little glimpse into how the last week has been going for us here. Yeah, it, it's it's uh, been a week. Let's just say that we did, we had a coworker that passed away this last week, and we're literally just sitting on the the back end of that. I we don't usually timestamp these, but the funeral was yesterday. Mm-hmm. You led so well through that, and so our hearts are a little heavier today which is partly why we're going to talk about the topic. We're not going to dive deep into what we've learned over this past week because I think we need to still process that and come back to it. But we do have a topic that I think is super relevant and will be helpful for leaders, and it's it's something that all leaders face. Yeah, it's critical, actually. We believe this topic is something that all leaders, every leader, they face at some point. And our hope is to help leaders however we can. So today's podcast is meant to give you some tools Mm -hmm. that will help you in your life and leadership. So Don, Mm -hmm. why don't you tee this one up? Okay, well, here we go. It's worth starting with a story today. Uh, When I I was first hired at Eagle Brook, which is now 18 years ago, John, it's 18 years ago this month, but I was hired 18 years ago. My first role uh, I was in this job to provide leadership for all of our ministries. So that included early childhood, elementary, junior high, senior high, men's and women's ministries, as well as all the classes that we used to teach uh, back in that day. I had direct oversight of five very strong leaders. And I was working at Bethel prior to that where I oversaw some student leaders, but I had never seen overseen adult leaders. And so I felt the pressure of moving into that role very quickly. I felt that pressure daily. Uh, a few months after taking that role, I got a phone call from a friend of mine that his son was in the hospital with a very serious brain issue. Uh, I did jump in my car and I I literally remember driving down 35E. I can almost tell you where I was. And I remember thinking and saying to myself, like, I, my, I have a problem with my shoulders. My shoulders aren't large enough mm-hmm. to handle what's going on at work and now as I'm about to care for this family that's sitting in the uh, the pediatric intensive care unit. And I remember feeling that pressure just driving down the road. I did make it through the visit. I stood with my friend as we stood next to the hospital bed of his son who did survive, by the way. Uh, but I was emotionally reeling from seeing a little boy just laying in that bed The next day I go to work, I feel the tremendous pressure once again, and then I came home after a a long day at work, and what I walked into the house was bedlam. I mean, Tyler was three at the time, Caleb was one, and and Kathy was trying to manage all that was going on because Tyler had just fallen down the stairs, he's crying, Caleb had fallen off his kitchen chair and he's wailing over by the kitchen and Kathy looks distraught and everything inside of me wanted to turn out the door. 
and leave. But, oh man, so many parents can relate <laughs> so to that to illustration just, right there. No kidding. Turn and go. Uh, but I came up the stairs, and Kathy said, "I think Tyler's going to be okay. He's he just he just fell down the stairs, but I think he's going to be okay. But Caleb isn't doing okay." And so we tried to comfort him, give him the blanket, give him the bottle, give him uh, any toy, and he was not moving his arm. And so we took him to the now care urgency room or whatever it is, and and uh, the wailing kind of subsided by the time we got there. And then as soon as we got there, the doctor ushered us back really quickly to the place where he got x-rays. I had to hold his arm in all sorts of different positions that he didn't want to hold his arm. That was mildly traumatic for me because the wailing once again began and that was just me. He was wailing. I'm crying. We're getting through this. We eventually get back to the the room and we wait there for the doctor. The doctor walks in and says, I have good news and I have bad news. Uh, The bad news is that your son has dislocated his elbow. The good news is that it's relatively easy to fix. And without even like taking a breath, she moves toward my son and she grabs his arm and wrenches it back up, Mm. like flexes his arm, which is the way he was not moving his arm for an extended period of time, and then flexes it right back down. She does this medical procedure on him to set his elbow. And I look at his eyeballs and they're about to explode. Kathy's are the same. She's crying and I am on tilt. Like, I cannot handle this. And I remember feeling nauseous. And so I tell Kathy, I need to step out of the room, which I felt terrible. But the doctor had left, so I walked out after the doctor. And as I'm walking out, there's a bathroom kind of near the outside door. And I think, well, instead of going inside the bathroom, I'll take a left and go out the outside door. I walk outside. It's a warm day. And the last thing I remember was reaching out to the post where you push it to go into the door for, for handicap access, and I crumbled. I passed out, and I went right in to the bushes. <laughs> so I pass out outside the clinic, and I had come to, I've never passed out in my life. I come to, and I'm literally laying in the landscaping. Oh my the wall is on one side of me, the bushes are on, on the other side of me, and I am incredibly exhausted. Mm. I can barely sit up. Uh, but I'm able to muster myself to lean up against the wall. I sit up. There's no way I can stand up or walk back inside. Now, this is back in the day where we had flip phones, and I had a flip phone. Kathy did, and she never answered it. But I did try calling her once. I tried calling twice. I tried calling three times. She's not answering it. I then am trying to figure out how can I call into the clinic so they'll come out and get me. I figure I'll try Kathy one more time, and she actually answers. And she's like, where are you? I said, I'm out in the bushes, send help. (laughs) She goes, you're where? I "I am in the bushes, I passed out and I need help. And she's like, oh my gosh, okay, I'll be there. And so out comes the wheelchair and they come out and they scoop me into the Mm. wheelchair and they actually uh, bring me in and they put me on a gurney and they strap me up and are wondering if I have a heart attack. And after just laying there for a while, uh, they gave me a popsicle and mm. everything was <laughs> no, better. Good. There you go. Recovered. <laughs> I guess I needed some sugar or something, yeah. but uh, but there I was laying in the bushes. And I mean, the question that I have for leaders listening, even for you, is do you ever feel that way? You ever feel the pressure at work, the pressure at home, or both, where you're going to land in the bushes one day? 
Have you ever felt like your shoulders aren't big enough for the job that you have? Let me just ask you, John. <laughs> have you ever felt this way? Well, I mean, to answer it on behalf of everyone else, I think almost every leader, like we tee this up, has felt that kind of pressure. I mean, yep. maybe not to the extent that they're going to pass out in a bush, maybe, but, maybe. but but probably pretty close. And so for me, yeah, I mean, I won't get into it with the level of detail that you have, but I've had a history of passing out, fainting, and yeah. I've had to get to the bottom of. Thankfully, yeah. the answer was just more water, more mm-hmm. breathing, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> a little more salt, mm. tighter core, midsection, all those things <laughs> that the Mayo Clinic Six had suggested. Back. But really, I think it 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 would often come down to the the feeling of being overwhelmed. And so... Yeah, I mean, of course I've felt that way many times over the last several years. Mm -hmm. Um, New kids, moving homes, pressure at work, having to let someone go, making a big decision, Mm -hmm. um, changing the org chart, changing someone's job, preaching on a weekend. I mean, all of those things. I I will say, just to bring it into the present moment, you mentioned this, but Mm -hmm. experiencing the loss of a coworker, um, um, overseeing the funeral Mm -hmm. uh, yesterday, Last night, I was so tired. I was so tired. And I texted my wife, like, how am I going to speak this weekend? Like, mm. just that feeling of how. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lesson there in that, by the way, um, that I was even telling her. Yeah. And what she said to me was, every time, God will help you rise. This is mm. you know what, what happens. You felt this before. Kind of reminded me of the times I felt overwhelmed. Um, and the the times that God has come through. But mm. um, even for this, this funeral, I mean, it was like, mm-hmm. what am I supposed to say? What am I supposed to do? And we'll get into that a little bit of how God provided the words and the timing of it and all of those things. But yes, the answer to your question is yes, I felt this way. And so really the Mm -hmm. question that we want to turn to is what do we do about it? And so Don, why don't you take us from here? Yeah. Well, this is going to be, this might feel a little strange, but I want to take you back to the Old Testament in a Second Chronicles 20. I'm sure you read that your for favorite your, chapter. your Devo <laughs> this morning. Uh, but we're going to unpack lessons from Jehoshaphat. And I just think there's some great things that we can pull from Second Chronicles 20 that will help a, a leader that might feel a little overwhelmed. So, Second uh, Chronicles 20, right away in verse 1, it says, The Moabites, the Ammonites, and some of the Meonites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and to- told Jehoshaphat, A vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. And Jehoshaphat was facing a vast army. You just rattled through some of the vast armies that you face Uh are there other examples you can think of as you think of leaders who are listening to this? Like they are facing a vast army. What are some of those challenges that leaders tend to face on a regular basis? Gosh, I I, I think, I mean, we listed some of them. I listed some of them already, yeah. but just the daily decisions. Yeah. You know, and we had an earlier podcast where we talked about if um, learning to face every day like a therapist. That's like right. we are going to face problems and problems feel overwhelming. So yeah. go down the list of yeah. what the stresses and problems are. I mean, there's going to be endless supply of problems, endless supply of mm-hmm. people issues, the things that sh- that um, that leaders feel. There's a, there's a stress of time. Mm-hmm. You know, I think often um, we just feel like we don't have enough time to get everything done in ministry specifically. That's a common feeling mm-hmm. that pastors have when we are struggling. Sometimes you and I, Don, fantasize about a job where we can clock in, clock out, mm-hmm. you know, just 
whatever, supply mm. chain, warehouse. Mailman. Mail, right. <laughs> something that feels um, like there is a start and stop time to it. Oh, In ministry, yeah. there's just the ongoing feeling like there is more, there's something more I can do, there's someone I can reach out to, there's someone who needs my attention. And so I could keep going on and on, but yeah. those are a few that I think about. Yeah, I think that's really well said. I think there's a quantity of work that comes at us, and then there's kind of the intensity of work where we're leaders are making decisions that will often impact the lives of employees, the organization. It can be thousands, sometimes millions of dollars. It can be uh, an entire organization that's impacted by, and that, that that's a vast army mm-hmm. that I think leaders face all the time. So let's keep looking at Jehoshaphat because uh, now going into verses three and four, it says, alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord He proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. So this is really getting to the, how do you handle this? Number one is seek the Lord. And even maybe, maybe proclaim a fast. That's what Jehoshaphat did. Uh, This almost is so obvious, it it, it can feel trite, but it's so critical is spending time with God, seeking God. When you are facing a vast army, maybe just talk a little bit about your daily discipline and how you're seeking the Lord. Yeah, I think something that's so critical for leaders is to establish that daily consistent habit. There was a season recently where I was saying to a few pastors that I was close to and spending time with that, man, it's been forever since I felt like I've heard from God. Mm. And, And by forever, I mean a couple months. It just had been a dry season. That spiritual connection with God was what I'd say blocked up, blocked up with stress and fear. And um, maybe God was wanting to be silent for a while. I mean, there's just all kinds of reasons why there didn't feel like a strong connection. However, despite those feelings, I still kept showing up. Mm. And I kept showing up consistently to spend time with God because it's a, it had been a habit that had been established prior to that. Mm, that's good. So what does that mean? It means for me, I've chosen a time. Mm-hmm. It, it's usually in the morning, 5.30 a.m. I've chosen a place. It's in my living room, specific chair. I, I've chosen a plan. And I kind of vary on what I do. Currently, I'm listening to a couple apps, Lectio 365, Church mm-hmm. Home App, um, even listening to the Bible at times. Um, but it's that consistent habit that's so critical. Mm. Because when you feel overwhelmed, you end up leaning back on the habits that have been established. If you wait to spend time with God when you're actually overwhelmed, you're not going to do that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's too many things to do. You're too overwhelmed. You're feeling too discouraged. And I'm so grateful that I've had, it's not perfect. I've missed times here and there. I, you know, I get all that, but, but establishing that well-worn discipline is so critical to overcome those seasons of, um, feeling overwhelmed. Now he does something even more dramatic. He proclaims a fast and we do ascribe to fasting, especially when you're really seeking an answer, fasting from food, fasting from electronics, fasting. Um, We've been challenged. We challenged our church to do that over the years. There's times where you do have to ratchet it up a notch. Mm -hmm. And it's more than just those little moments throughout the day. There's something more significant that you have to do to really seek God. Yeah, that's so well said. I, I do think in the midst of chaos, that leaders feel, that feeling of overwhelm. And you have to go back to the basics. I mean, you just have to start your day seeking the Lord. And, you know, my discipline is, I did it this morning. I went for a walk, jog, 
because I don't really jog the whole time. I just, I'm just getting old. So now I walk, and then I run when I feel like it. Yeah. And then when I feel Good a little you. bit of pain, I stop. I Good just for you. Good <laughs> you know, it works for me. But I'm listening to Ephesians. I've listened to Ephesians for probably the past couple months over and over again, just listening to the Word and spending time. I sat down at the, spent some time on a, a bench just looking out at the lake as the sun was rising this morning and just connecting with God. So important. And even just that extra challenge, like you're saying, maybe somebody listening to this needs to fast. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're listening and you should take 24 hours and not eat or not get into your electronics. Or even some of you might need a solo retreat where mm-hmm. you get away for a period of time or read a book about spiritual disciplines. So important that we go back to the basics when we're facing a vast army. So let me let me keep going. Let's see if you have anything else on that. Mm. Keep going. In verses 6 through 12, now we're moving through this, Jehoshaphat says this great prayer. I'm, I don't have the time to read it all to you, so I'd encourage you to, to go read it at some point, but it reminds everyone who God is and how faithful he's been in the past. But then he ends with this phrase, which is what I want to lock in. We have no power to face this vast army that's attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. That is gold, Jehoshaphat. Mm-hmm. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And I think it's okay for leaders to say, I don't have all the answers. It's okay to, to lift our hands up and say, I don't know what we're doing. God, lead us, guide us. We need you. And it might be one of the best leadership prayers that you can possibly lean on. So uh, step two is to admit to God that you need help. I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you and John, maybe any wisdom you have about that of saying there, there's times you just don't know the answer and you turn to God. Oh man. Yeah, there's, there's so much wisdom in that already. Um, and I think it's you know common to read that in leadership books. It's common to hear other podcasts say, it's okay to say, I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. It's common to hear that. It's very uncommon for leaders to actually do that. Mm-hmm. So it's it's very uncommon, I find, with leaders to say, I don't know what to do. More often than not, leaders are drivers. They're used to getting things done. They've, you, they're have used to having solutions and answers. They've risen to the top because of those, often because of those reasons. Mm-hmm. And so when they get there, they they carry this expectation that they're supposed to have the the vision, the answer, the solution. And sometimes they do, but the times they don't, um, the best leaders are the ones that are willing to say, I don't know. And mm-hmm. and not just because of the spiritual aspect of it, um, because of the submission and humility before God to admit, I don't know what to do, but man, I'm looking to you. Mm-hmm. But just because of, um, they just they just struggle. The best leaders, sorry, the best leaders are willing to say it um, because it models to other people mm-hmm. that it's okay to not always have the solutions and the answers. That's good, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a key tool that all leaders should be okay with is, I don't know. I don't know right now. This one, well, we like to say it's a pickle. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that's one of our favorites. Right. When we don't have the answer, that's sometimes how we just land it. Well, that that's a pickle. And you, sometimes you just need time. I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. And I do think good leaders have that sense of curiosity of like, let's, let's go find that out together. Yeah. Let's work through and find that answer. So... I love that prayer. I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. So let's let's keep going with lessons from Jehoshaphat because this guy named Jehaziel, Jehaziel, Jehaziel shows up. Just be confident with the Jehaziel. <laughs> I'm going to go with that. And this it says in this in this passage, this, 
in this passage that the spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel and he has this message for Jehoshaphat. Now, I'm not gonna tell you what he says yet because I do wanna just stand on, stand on this point of step three is when you are facing a vast army, you need other people. Mm-hmm. So John, talk about how others have been a significant part of you weathering times where you feel overwhelmed. Well, I mean, even this last week, Mm -hmm. you and I have texted a handful of times, like, I'm just so grateful that I have you, Don, Mm -hmm. in this. Um, For one example of just having an ally, someone to lean on, someone to be honest with, I would say that about our whole team right now, Mm -hmm. Um, being able to lean on one another. Um, My wife, you know, having her as a ministry partner and someone that I can also look to in times of feeling overwhelmed, being honest with her that I'm struggling or struggling to find space to get the things done that I need to get done. Um, we were, when we were at the funeral, one of the people who spoke talked about um, that Ray was his blue shirt. Mm. And it's from an old message mm. back in the archives of Eagle Brook to, to find your blue shirt, those key people in life that you can lean on and look to. Mm-hmm. And they had that for one another. And now their small mm-hmm. group and their the family is now getting through it together because they, they have one another. Mm-hmm. And so, again, the temptation for leaders is to look inward and to keep keep it to themselves. And mm, I just need to, I need to be strong for everyone. Mm-hmm. But my goodness... You're just not going to survive that way. That's when leaders go down. Yeah. I mean, you often hear the phrase that it's lonely at the top, leadership and loneliness. And I do think it's a a big problem. I mean, a lot of leaders are doing it alone. And and it's true that a lot of people don't know exactly what a leader is going through. And sometimes leaders have classified information, privileged information that they can't share with others. And there is a loneliness in that too. But man, you gotta have a person or a place that you're sharing everything with, that you're talking things through. And I, I just think for any leader listening, you gotta have your people. Yeah. I mean, even yes, you and I have been especially tight throughout this last week or so. Our whole team has been. We spent the whole first day together, just sitting together. I have a small group that I do text and say, I can't even tell you all the things that are going on, but I just need you to pray, pray right now. And I, I think every leader needs that. Mm-hmm. They just need that inner circle that they can really lean on and trust. So uh, Jehoshaphat had that with Jehaziel. Mm-hmm. He shows up. And so here's what he says. I know you're on the edge of your seat. What did he say? Verse 15, it says, Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but it's God's. He then says, You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Like, what a friend. I mean, what a friend to come alongside and remind him of these things, to not be afraid, discouraged. Uh, The battle is, is not yours. It's the Lord's. And so remember that the Lord will fight with fight for you is step four, lesson four. The Lord will fight for you. When you feel overwhelmed, you have a God that's with you and for you. You have a strength that is greater than yours. And if you're a leader, take strength. Let this be your word of encouragement today is that you have a God that is with you and for you and will go with you into the battle. Anything you want to add? Well, I mean, this is so hard to learn again in practice. So Paul says, 
he gets excited when he's weak Mm -hmm. because he knows when he's weak, then God will be strong. But he had learned that over years of ministry and hardship and seeing God show up. And I, I am learning this. I have experienced it many, many times. In fact, one of my prayers before speaking, before big moments, before, before leading is God in my weakness, be strong, show Mm -hmm. up for me and less of me, more of you. Yeah. And that's like antithetical to, is that the right word? <laughs> to, uh, let's see. To like what we, <laughs> to what we are, feel like we've been tasked to do as leaders. We're supposed to be strong. We're supposed to mm. carry it. We're supposed to yeah. have the, the answers and the solutions. But there is something about in our weakness, God is stronger. Mm. Isn't that crazy yeah. to think about? And so it's not about, false humility. It's not about fake weakness. It's about really admitting that I'm not going to be able to carry this on my own. I'm not going to be able to um, do this on my own. And to remember that it's in those moments that God's going to be the strongest. That's crazy to think about. So good. Hard to live out. Hard to live out. We all need that. We need that reminder. We need a Jehaziel to come into our life and tell us that and so let's go into how the story ends because it's, it's really a cool story. Uh, verse 24, the men of Judah, they came to the place that overlooks the daughters. So they all are marching in. And actually a, a unique part of the story is they put the worship leaders up front. I always love that. I always love picturing Steve Duty and Dave Holvig leading people into battle. <laughs> but those are the ones that are up front. They're actually singing a song as they go into battle. And so when the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground because uh, just prior to that passage, another, another, another army had already jumped in, annihilated that vast army, and they were also defeated at the ta- same time. So the enemy had been defeated before the army of Judah had actually arrived. And it actually goes on to talk about days worth of plunder that the, the people of Judah got to scoop up because mm-hmm. of that. And here's the, the takeaway is that God wins the battles, but we do have to go into the battle to experience this victory. So you can't just do all those first four steps and then not go into battle. Mm. You actually have to go into battle and then you'll see God work in a miraculous way. Mm-hmm. And then you start to feel the blessing of being faithful and working through that overwhelming, that fear, trusting God, having a friend that supports you to do that. And then you come on the other side of it, you experience a blessing that you wouldn't have otherwise mm. if you didn't go into battle. Mm. And so we've experienced that blessing here at Eagle Brook in ways that are beyond what we can understand. We shake our heads all the time. Like, I can't believe that many people are coming to Christ. I can't believe that many people are coming to church. I can't believe that many people are getting into a small group or serving. And all the things that we get to witness a baptism experience with over a thousand people going through that. We just, we are witnessing miracles. It is the blessing from the battle that is only God's to be Mm -hmm. won. Mm -hmm. So just to wrap this up, when you're facing a vast army, seek God, number one. Number two, admit you need God's help. I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. Number three, get help from others. Number four, remember that the Lord will fight for you. And then number five, you gotta Mm -hmm. go. You gotta go into the battle and then watch God work. That's so good. Any closing thoughts, John? (laughs) (laughs) I think you nailed it, truly. I I think what stuck out to me about that last one to going into battle is that Mm -hmm. there's actually a temptation as you were teaching through this, and we had gone through it, but to think, um, oh, because I'm so weak, I can just sit back here in the corner and Mm -hmm. I'll pray, I'll look to God, but I'm gonna actually just stay over here. But 
the key teaching is that in that is that we have to actually go into the battle. That really mm-hmm. stood out to me as because mm-hmm. I I think um, we want to at times run the other direction. We want mm-hmm. to. Oh yeah. Okay, God. Okay, yep. I trust God. He's going to take care of it. He's strong, so I can just stay over here. But it's actually mm-hmm. you know even in our our willingness to admit our weakness, we still have to have the courage, the strength to take that step forward. Yeah. And uh, man, there's point. so many times where you know you fantasize as a leader of like, I don't want to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. I don't want to make that decision. I'll just let someone else Can't do it. Someone else do that. Yeah. But right. leadership, yeah. even if feeling overwhelmed, is about making those decisions and going into battle on behalf of people. Yeah. Yeah. On behalf no. of the organization, on behalf of the church, and so, yep. man, wherever you're at, even if you're feeling overwhelmed, pastor or leader, um, mm-hmm. I we hope this is encouragement to you. Hopefully, it helps you stay out of the bushes. Yes, exactly. No, <laughs> that's the hope. no bushes. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Well, well done, Don. Great teaching, inspiring for me, and and we hope that was helpful for you. Mm-hmm. Again, we just really want leaders to get better, and so if there are any nuggets that are helpful, let us know. Make a comment. Um, leave a review, share it with someone because at the end of the day, our hope is that when leaders get better, the church gets better. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you for the next episode of the Eagle Word Church Leadership Podcast. Mm-hmm.